I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight as always is the my co-host is with moses miss rachel t moore well good evening miss jessica dwyer hello and we are um this this actually uh, this episode will be the uh the episode before valentine's day Yes, the dreaded and loathed holiday of pink hearts and uh, gooey love <laughs> that so many people just adore. But um, we're going to be kind of your Valentine's Day cure-all with our discussion this week, which is going to be about the lack of really good romantic films uh, in this decade. We kind of are missing the stuff that we used to have, such as the Nor Ephron movies, and Rachel's going to talk about that and uh, give you some pointers on the stuff that you should be watching instead of the stuff that you have to be forced to watch these days. And uh, I'm going to talk about some oddball Valentine's Day viewing choices that you should look into that are uh, kind of take place during the holiday but aren't quite the way you would expect it to be celebrated. Because that's what I like. The oddballs. Ha. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to do the Week in Geek. And um, starting off the Week in Geek, The Walking Dead returned, as The Walking Dead will do, um, from their uh, two-month hiatus this weekend. They didn't return. They'd just be the dead. Exactly. Uh, logic. And um, this episode uh, was called After... And it actually takes place um, immediately after what happens um, at the prison and when we last left. And uh, they kind of, uh, they, they sort of told us that we were going to get some, possibly another shot of the governor in this. And yeah, you do. It's him dead. That's what you get to see. <laughs> it's a big close up of his dead face. And uh, no, he's not coming back because he took one to the, the brain. Um, so no, um, no zombie well, guy. You could say that to the Sherlock fandom too, but yeah, but hope springs eternal. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Uh, but after was uh, directed by Greg Nicotero, who typically does the bigger um, episodes, and it was actually penned by Robert Kirkman, the writer of the comic, and uh, it it gave us some background on Michonne, and we actually got to see her pets, her original pets, pre zombification. And, uh, yes, one of them was, in fact, her boyfriend. The other, um, I believe in the comics, he's her brother. But in this, uh, they're kind of making it out that he's just a friend. And she also had a little baby boy. But she doesn't have him anymore. So, um, we get this in a, in a sort of dream flashback. But the, um, and it was, it's a really well done set up and yeah I pretty much can guarantee you that boyfriend offed himself and probably baby oh um, yeah they kind I don't of, even watch the show and that upsets me oh just wait uh but you know the the thing that um this episode really focused on was Carl and Rick Rick who has had his ass handed to him by the governor basically it sounds like he's his lung is punctured is uh, passes out for a day and a half and Carl 
is um, just letting his anger run rampant. He's mouthing off to Rick. He's he's pissed off that all this has gone down and, and everyone's dead. Everyone's, you know, um, away from one another. Even brings up Shane at one point. Um, Carl is trying to outdo Joffrey on the hated child scale. And I don't, and he almost does it. He's really up there on the hatred scale as he's screaming and trying to get himself killed and uh, eats an entire 112 ounces of chocolate pudding on his own. Um, I'm surprised he didn't die from that and become a zombie. <laughs> like, that's what you're concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's a good episode. It's a lot of people, were, I, I, I find it funny, a lot of people... Uh, disagree with me on on the episodes I like because I like the ones that set up more character development and actually give more story and then other people are like we want Zabi's dead and um, this episode was I, I thought gave us a little bit about it was a little slow um, for a, a return to the show after the big badass finale of last season that was just almost overtly packed with action uh, for this quiet episode to be their return Still, it did outdo the Olympics on ratings. Um, surprise. Uh, so it it's sort of a, a risky move on their part um, to do something like this for a very quiet return to the show. But I really liked it. Uh, the one thing I didn't like, and spoiler alert, if you don't know this already, you've not been on the internet. Um, you know, as as we know, Herschel died at the end of uh, the finale. The the first part of the season finale and the way he went out was very much the governor beating his head you know he'd already cut his head partially off and then we see him just beating down on him and i thought for sure he was just pounding herschel's head into putty at that point um and that's what was i mean there's no way he didn't well in this episode we have herschel zombie head that's been chopped off sitting there going our our and, and Michonne stabs it and it's you know she's like touching his head you know like poor Herschel that was overt guys man really you, you, you Herschel was a beloved character already and people really took his death hard but to do that kind of adding on is, is a little much and That's I think just rude it is rude and just seriously not okay um, but I've actually seen the, this weekend upcoming's episode. Um, I can't talk much about it really at all because it's under embargo, but it is called Inmates and it's a co-written episode, two writers, Matthew Negret and Channing Powell wrote this one. Um, I will warn you, this is all I'm going to say. This is not a spoiler. This is not me. Uh, outing any plot points but there is a scene in this episode that is going to disturb a lot of people it does not involve zombies but it will disturb a lot of people and it will make you cringe because it did me and that's all I'm going to say so yes that's cryptic wow <laughs> that's Wait. That that's a teaser if I ever heard one. People yeah. who make trailers should talk to you before they do so. Um, it's uh, it's all because I don't like I don't even like that show, and I'm like I want to know. It, you know you don't. You I know it, I'm sure I don't. You really don't. It, I mean, it's, but, it's a scene that I really it 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 made me almost turn it off. Oh my! But, but it's not like sexual. It's not. It, it's just a disturbing scene. It really is. And I, I knew something like it was going to happen. But yeah, this is bad. It's a, it's just, it's just bad. Oh. So it, it's, it's, it had to happen. But yeah. So Walking Dead coming back swinging. And uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. And this, and this second episode is, it, it should help. Uh, it should make everybody pretty happy. But yeah, you're going to be disturbed. The end. <laughs> Um, but moving on to the rest of the week in Geek. Uh, Preacher is finally, finally confirmed. It is happening. <sighs> coming to AMC. It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. We knew it was teased before, but it is, in fact, confirmed. And AMC, the people that I, I have been sharing Walking Dead with us, 
are going to have it. And Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are doing it. It's their show. Um, and I don't believe they've re- released anybody, um, any names for uh, casting yet. But the interesting thing is um, the uh, producer of Breaking Bad, Sam Catlin, is actually going to be the showrunner. Interesting. Yeah. So good times with that. I'm, I'm actually pretty stoked for that one. Um, even though, like I, I Seth Rogen, I have a love-hate relationship with his work. But... I think this he will do a fine job with. And when they have a guy that did Breaking Bad on uh, as the showrunner that helped produce Breaking Bad, I'm sure the dark black comedy of Preacher will come to life. On yeah, that. like that to me is a perfect combination, especially because Preacher is something that so easily could become banal and formulaic if you didn't have someone who got it. Right. And um, I know these guys are comic fans, so it should be. Yeah. I, I have. I have a lot of faith in this. And and if they pull off, if they do half the stuff that goes on in that comic book, my God, (laughs) it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. Um, so, uh, also this week, poor Quentin Tarantino part two. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's been a rough month to be Quentin Tarantino. It's been a hard It's still a good month for anybody, but. Yeah, no, it's, it, this isn't, this is a, it keeps going. So apparently Tarantino, as we know, his soundtracks for his films are as, almost as good as the movies themselves. He, he knows his music. He is really, really uh, spot on when it comes to soundtracks. Like the Django Unchained soundtrack is amazing. Um, just, one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah. And also just all the stuff he's done in, in his previous work, like Pulp Fiction. Just the music he picks is just spot on. Well, we know that the Hateful Eight script was leaked. Well, on top of that, now the the uh, soundtrack that he put together to go along with the script that you can listen to while you're reading the script really is how he, I guess he uh, put this together was leaked, and immediately people put together YouTube playlists uh, of the music for you to listen to, and some of this stuff is great. Like he's got a. Um, Ennio Morricone, he's got uh, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates on there, Johnny Zaro, Johnny Cash is on there, of course. Um, just just really good stuff. Muddy Waters, he has got an awesome soundtrack list for this. But it is out there now. People have already, like I said, put together a playlist on YouTube so you can listen to it in order. But I can't believe it. Apparently, it was this was leaked by someone who was close to the the script leaking uh, so yeah good times for Quentin we're never gonna see that movie no because you piss off Quentin Tarantino and he just loses interest because he he's one of these guys that like whether you like him or hate him one thing that you could say is that he does things for the joy of doing them like he makes movies he wants people to enjoy and some people don't like those kind of movies and then he's like well don't watch my movies and the people who really love his movies wait a long time and like really support him. And so it's not just rude to him. It's rude to everyone who's a Tarantino fan. Yeah, it's, it really is. And you've kind of, you know, God help if they ever find out who did it for sure. Cause I'm not going to be a popular person. Um, so moving on to casting news. I'm excited now. I didn't think I would be for this show, but I'm excited. Gotham, which is the pre-Batman series that's going to be on TV um, with, uh, you know, it's it's Batman before he was Batman, really. And, and he's young, a youngish man. Um, young man. Oh, uh, has cast a ton of, of roles. And the biggie for me, because I love this guy, and this actually means he's not going to die in this show. Keep that in mind. Sean Pertwee, ha-ha, son of John, uh, he has been cast as Alfred Pennyworth in this. <laughs> That's like your dream ca- casting. I know. He And, and so happy that he's not going to die because Sean Pertwee is on par with Sean Bean on the I die in every movie I'm in. Right. So um, he is not going to die in this that we know of. If they do that, I'm just going to go monkey balls 
But he is going to be in this, and the description of the character for Alfred in this is a tough-as-nails ex-marine from East London, which is awesome. They've made him the secret agent Alfred, uh, which is, just makes me happy. And then another character that they have cast in this is the Penguin. Oswald, really? Yeah, Oswald Cobblepot will be played by Robin Lord Taylor. And if you go look at him online, he is not a rotund gentleman. He is an interesting looking guy. Very, not bad looking at all, actually. And, but he's got this wonderful nose. He, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's pretty good casting, actually. So if you're interested in some of the stuff that he has done, he has been in Another Earth, he was in Accepted, and he's been in The Walking Dead. And the description with, for him is, with the brains of a chess grandmaster and the morals of a jackal, Oswald Cobblepot is a low-level psychopath. I just think he looks so perfect for the part. I know. I just and and I I remember him in I want to say it was Life on Mars or something. I really want to say he was in Life on Mars and I really liked him. Yeah. But I saw him I've seen him in a few things and I've always really enjoyed him. It's going to be it's going to be actually a good show. I'm I'm actually really excited. And uh like I said Ben McKenzie was is now Jim James Gordon. Uh and they actually cast Barbara Keene, who is actually um, the name of his soon-to-be wife. And uh, that is uh, Aaron Richards, who is uh, in Being Human and Merlin. So it looks like they're going a lot with uh, English actors in this. And I, there's never a problem with me for that, because they're good. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Gotham's shaping up to be a good show. I'm, I'm pretty It'll sure. be interesting. It can't be worse than S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm still I'm still butt hurt by that. Uh, so in another bit of <laughs> leave me alone in another bit of casting news, uh, Jack Bauer, as we know, is returning in 24 Live Another Day, <clears throat> which sounds very Bond esque because it's taking place in London. 24 is happening in Britain, and we know this because of the awesome preview commercial that they did during the Super Bowl with Jack Bauer basically dragging Chloe along behind him who looks she looks all gothed out and he's shooting everything. Jack Bauer is basically destroying London and he's screaming ah! and shooting like a crazy person. So uh, joining the cast of 24 Live Another Day is Caitlin Stark herself, Michelle Fairley. Hmm. And she's replacing Judy Davis. In this, and she is playing a British national who's a widow of a notorious terrorist. And uh, I'm wondering if she's maybe going to have some. Uh, she looks like she'd be the perfect age and type for Jack to have some romantic interest in. We'll see. Huh. Um, but I, it's going to be interesting because, as we know, Caitlin Stark shows back up in Game of Thrones after the Red Wedding. Are you really doing that to people who don't have the stomach to read those horrible books? But like the TV? I am. I am. Damn you it. Really warn people before that. Because, like, I knew. I mean, I've read the books. but It's everywhere online. People yeah, don't talk about fan art. Come on. Mm. Hey, you know what? They are now warned. <laughs> they weren't warned about the Red Wedding, and look what happened. That's true. You know, so... um. But it's it's not all happy happy casting news this week in the Weekend Geek. Um, Rachel's got a couple of sad stories for us here. I'm sure everybody's heard by now that um, Shirley Temple Black passed away, and um, I think the fact that I don't really need to tell you much about Shirley Temple tells you what a an icon she was. On top of being an amazing um, young child actress and dancer and singer and being sweet as punch in real life by all accounts and then um as an adult becoming hugely philanthropic um hugely involved with charities and with being an ambassador overseas and just uh somebody who could have easily rested on their laurels and done nothing with the rest of their lives really gave herself up to um 
good works. And so I think one of the most amazing things about her is that she is someone that you could look up to on screen and off and that, um, you know, she, she was so sweet that I don't know if you, you knew this, but I, I read Groucho Marx's, um, autobiography and he was talking about he and his brothers were watching this little baseball game going on with these little kids in a park nearby by the studios and there was this little girl and Harpo was just like in love with this little girl and he decided that he had to have her as his daughter and he went he went over and offered her parents like millions of dollars like crazy amounts of money like the kind of money that only the Marx Brothers had at that point in time and they said they politely declined they were very polite despite the fact that he had just tried to buy their daughter and it was Shirley Temple's parents she probably would have been better off in one way with her. <laughs> well, because with a messed up too, but well, the, the reason I say that is if you really want to read something and get some background on her, uh, her autobiography child star is sort of frightening. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff that she went through as a young child actress, even back then in Hollywood. And, yeah. um, well, especially back then, because they didn't care that you were a child. Right. And they they got away with it because it was a it was a lot more hidden in those days. You, you know, today we think back on the 20s and 30s. and Oh, it's such a wonderful time. And look how not happy she was. No. Well, there's stuff that you don't think about, like a lot of those child actresses to have the cute little turned up noses. They had little um, uh, plastic inserts. Yeah. yeah. That went inside their nostrils. So. The other thing is that, you know, the fact that she turned out as well as she did, considering that she was worked to the bone, that girl worked hard and she was good at what she did. Yeah. And, and on top, but and, and much like some of today's child actors, her, her parents squandered everything she owned. Yeah. Absolutely. She earned every penny. I think she ended up, she had like three, I want to say she had $3 million at one point and she ended up with $40,000 or something at the end. Yeah. And so she decided no more and um, went on to become an ambassador and, and basically a very well-adjusted person and uh, a, a good role model for people. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's, 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 it's inspiring in that you don't, you also don't have to take the hand that you're given, you know, at some point I, I, I talked about this with people a lot that at some point no matter who you are whether you're a good childhood or a bad childhood you have to get over your childhood and decide who you want to be as a person and Correct. she did that yeah totally she became what she wanted to be and uh it's pretty amazing uh and like i said if you have a chance read this read her autobiography it's fascinating stuff and an insight that you don't normally get and she's yeah. very honest Absolutely. Um, the other person that we lost actually just today this is very sad. Is uh, Sid Caesar, who is a comedian, a saxophonist. He acted. He performed. He was very talented as a musician, but he also worked. Um, he's just one of those old school, hardest working men in Hollywood. He. Um, Gosh, what didn't he do? A lot of people if um, who don't watch a lot of classic movies have still seen him in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Um, he was he did a lot of, I mean, he was in Airport. He was in Greece. Greece. And he did a lot of TV specials. He did a lot of guest appearances. He did a lot of cameos. He was just funny as hell. Like, well, and I... One of the things that I will always remember him in, because it's one of my favorite Peter Sellers movies, is The Fiendish Plot of, Doc of Dr. Fu Manchu. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was in that. He He's one of these guys that came up from, you know, the stage uh, and just, yeah. you know, took over and, and kept working for a long well, time. He did, he did a live show weekly that was an hour and a half, almost two hours long for I want to say years like he I mean he's from he was born in 1922 yeah he was 92 he lived a very long and full life he used to um, perform with Carl Reiner and um, Howard Morris uh, doing in this little trio that they had I want to say that they were like the haircuts or something and he played with he I mean he played with 
jazz greats and big bands. Um, just, he did your show of shows. And that's one of those things that doesn't get enough um, credit. He had the Sid Seizure show, which if you can get your hands on that, sometimes you can still find those at libraries around the nation on um, VHS or DVD. Uh, watch the Sid Caesar show. Because... Well, and and his sh- that show launched like a ton of of our most famous comic writers. Like oh, I think yeah. Mel Brooks mm-hmm. wrote on wrote for that. Um, Carl oh, Reiner, everybody. I mean, Sid Caesar is one of those icons. He's right up there with like Bob Hope and Milton Berle. You know, we've lost all of these guys, but my God, look at the work they left. Yeah, they're still they're still influencing people Um, like on like I was telling Rachel earlier, like on Facebook today, um, Doug Jones, who was a friend of our show, was talking about how he got a lot of his mannerisms in learning how to use physical comedy and things from Sid Caesar watching him when he was growing up. Yeah. And I, I just do yourself a favor. If you like to laugh. Oh my God! <laughs> if you like, just seriously, I you, you know there are some old bits that you can look back and you go, okay, I get why that's a classic. He's very talented, but it's dated. His stuff, even though it's dated, it doesn't matter because it's still funny as hell. And you just you should do yourself a favor. Oh yeah, totally. You 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 need to uh, check his stuff out, and it. It, it's really a, a shame that we're losing so many of these guys, but it, it's still forever and a day. These they're the icons of comedy, and they've influenced everyone that you know now. Absolutely. Well, that's, now that we've brought the room down, <laughs> those are just people who lived really full, really wonderful lives, and so we we celebrate them. You know, it's it's sad that they're gone, but you know that's what you can ask for in this life, and. Other things you can ask for are movies you've been waiting forever to start filming. You like my segue? You like yeah, my good, segue? good. That was that was Is it very, smooth. Yeah, that was real smooth. <laughs> uh, um, so the Avengers Two: Age of Ultron has started filming officially this week in South Africa. Finally, uh, we have to still wait till twenty fifteen for it. <laughs> <laughs> 2014. That's how did that happen? I, I know. I It'll know. probably get here before the next season it, of Sherlock. It probably will. It'll probably <laughs> tie. It'll probably tie. Um, the thing that uh, I don't know if we talked about this on last week's episode, but they did a, a interesting bit of casting for this um, and broke a lot of people's hearts with what they thought was going to be the way they were going to go with Agent Coulson. Uh, which I wish they had shield. Um, but in an interesting bit of casting, Paul Bettany, who has been the voice of Jarvis in all of the Marvel movies up to this point, you know, the, the, uh, go to AI for Tony Stark is going to be vision. Yes. I am so happy about this. Yes. I, I also am happy about this, not just for its own sake, which is pretty awesome, but also because it lets them do things with Agent Coulson other than just have the easy out of making him vision. Yeah, but they aren't really doing anything. With yeah, well, not now, but maybe in the movie. No. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. You can keep wishing, Rage, but it ain't gonna happen. Um, you but don't I, believe in Agent Coulson I don't, anymore. I don't believe in Coulson anymore. Oh, uh, sad. sad. It's not Coulson's fault. Um, but I, it, the the rumor is now everyone knows that Vision. That a lot of people, when they picture Vision, they picture the red face, green and yellow costume. But the rumor is they're basing this on a different version of Vision that was in the comics as well, where he's all white. <laughs> and if you, Sorry. yeah, a tall, beautiful. Paul Bettany with those sparkling crazy blue eyes of his peeking out from entire white everything. Mm, I'm let's, sorry. Yeah, let's take a moment and drill a little for that because that's going to happen. 
Yeah, they actually, I think he was doing some costume con, um, costume testing like that. So I'm excited. I like the thought of Jarvis becoming Vision. It makes sense. and I, It does. It, it really makes a lot of sense. It and, makes sense. Paul Bettany has a great voice and he's a great body for motion capture, if I can say that without being completely creepy and objectifying. It, that's but okay. he works hard in his body, so I think it should be okay. I've seen his body in person. It's it's not bad. I know. I'm sitting here looking at the picture of him and Dougie Jones that you brought me back. <laughs> Sorry. That was creepy. And <laughs> that was really creepy. <laughs> wow. Extreme fangirlism <laughs> happening. Sorry. It was Doug Jones and Paul Bettany standing next to one another. <laughs> I appreciated it. It was better than anything else you could have brought me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, talking about AI, I had to bring this up because I think this movie and a lot of other people after seeing this new trailer for Transcendence, uh, the new Johnny Depp film that's coming out this year, um, are feeling like this is going to be equally as surprise hit like as uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was, which came out of left field. A lot of people were like, the hell is that? Is it? monkeys huh where'd that come from and all of a sudden it was such a good movie it just came out and it came out late in the summer boom it exploded i think that's what's going to happen with transcendence because after the second trailer where you get more background and you get more insight and you're seeing what's going on with this this movie is mega epic in scale it's it's got the look and feel of inception and the just a dark sci-fi vibe to it and just beautifully done so check out um we're gonna have it up on fangirlmag.com but check out the new trailer for transcendence it takes everything 15 steps further in in scope and just looks phenomenal uh so i'm i am really stoked about this flip i'm excited about the movie i'm excited that they're doing something that hasn't been done like a billion times before yeah, I mean, we've got a movie like Her, which touches upon the AI stuff, but this... But it's it's very Spike Jones though, and you have right. to be the kind of person who likes that kind of mer- person to connect with it. And so this has, I think, a broader appeal. Oh, yeah, and, and like I said, people are like, oh, it's a Johnny Depp movie, but it's not him being a you know his I don't even know how much actual screen time he's going to have. He actually this. does quite a bit of screen time in this and it's more like a ghost in the machine kind of a thing as well. It's it just looks phenomenal and uh, mind-blowing. Like it's going to make you think kind of a film. Uh kind of the flip of that I'm guessing. Terminator Genesis is happening if you like it or not. You're going to get another <laughs> Terminator movie. I'm John Connor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I don't know where that came from. That came from Christian Bale. I'm John Connor. You don't remember that? Uh, <laughs> I remember that. I kind of lost it. Um, <laughs> so uh, Terminator Genesis is happening. I It's going to flip to, I believe, the way this movie is going is going to be how how the original Terminator came to be. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing. But Amelia Clark right now is in fact i believe playing sarah connor so you've got daenerys targaryen playing sarah connor arnold's back there's been worse people playing sarah connor uh yeah no i i'm fine with amelia clark playing her i i like amelia. i like amelia clark i really do too and now, i like that she loves her character so much well and she's she's taken a stand on that show in terms of stuff that i really like too you know i, yeah. I it's she got tired of something that was kept happening and yeah no more uh so with this being the genesis though uh it's interesting now they're gonna have kyle reese in this movie and as we know kyle reese originally played by michael bn and then anton yelchin played him eerily well he he was like baby michael bn in in uh, the last terminator flick uh, but it's going to be interesting, and they have a couple of people up for the the role now. The top two would be a gentleman by the name of Jay Courtney, who was in A Good Day to Die Hard, and Boyd Holbrook, who was in the, uh, I believe it was Christian Bell flick, funnily enough, uh, Out of the Furnace. And, uh, Out of the Furnace. It, it was at the theater for about, I think, a week. <laughs> huh. 
Yeah, it was in the theater for about a week. I'm a pretty hardcore Christian Bale fan, and I cannot remember that movie I to wanted, save my life. I wanted to go see it. It, it actually looks really good, and um, it had Christian Bale in it. Woody Harrelson was in it. Zoe Saldana was in it. How did I not see that, or did I see it and block it? I don't think you saw it. I, okay. I wanted I to go we, see I it. I want to say that we would have seen it together. I would have went and saw it with you, but yeah. I, you know, no one asked me. Uh, but yeah, so Kyle Reese is in Terminator Genesis, which I don't know how that's going to happen because he's from the future. <laughs> well, yeah, they're kind of fast and losing I general I right now. I don't know so. how they're going to do this. I really don't. But we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> um, All right, cancellations. Cancellations. More happy news. Not really. Uh, Frank Darabont can't catch a break. It's <laughs> I've 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 kind of figured it out now frank darabont can't catch a break and that is because mob city is not being renewed uh tnt has chosen not to do a second season for the show uh which was based on la noir and um i'm sorry uh uh la la noir was a book by john bunton not the game the book (laughs) and uh it starred john bernthal and uh had simon pegg for i think one episode and it was, uh, they originally were going to do just a six episode first season and, and they were going to come back. Now, a lot of people were um, thinking that it was just going to be an event show, which is kind of what I thought it was going to be. But apparently Darabont was under the impression that they were, um, they were going to do a continuing series of the show. <laughs> Poor Darabont. <laughs> he can't win, man. It's sad. But uh, it was beautifully shot and well done. And my God, all the fedoras made me happy. But apparently it didn't make TNT happy. And the one thing that I don't I, think that TNT knows what it is anymore. But TNT doesn't know what it is. Um, and the other part of it was they really didn't. It was odd how they were advertising this. And it almost felt like they were doing movie trailers for it instead of telling people it's a series. And then when it, I didn't even know when it had started. I never got, I never. Yeah, I, I, I heard that it was coming and then I didn't realize it was already on. Exactly. It, that's not okay. So, uh, it's gone and not coming back. And it sounds like there's a couple other shows that aren't coming back. We still don't know about Dracula. There is no word yet on Dracula. Uh, which is probably, it's better to not have a word than to have the wrong word. Yeah, we don't want to hear the N-word. Um, well, and I, you know, I'm really hoping that part of the delay is that it is a cross-country endeavor. And right. so both sides have to be willing to continue with it. Right, and especially after the gentleman who plays Renfield was saying how he really wanted to see the character go crazy like Renfield kind of did. Yeah. I really want to see that. He was, but he said he's the, that NBC, he himself said that NBC holds their cards close to their chest. So they don't even know. Yeah. Um, but the biggie that is going to bum out a lot of sci-fi fans. Oh, don't even say it. I have to say it, but it's the saddest news in the whole world because it was the bestest show to come out this season. Other than Dracula. What about Sleepy Hollow? Sleepy Hollow is coming back. Yeah. I yeah, like, but I really, really don't want them to cancel because it's like the bestest show, and it's called Almost Human, and it has Carl Urban in it. I don't think you understand. I Carl understand. Urban was delivered to my house every week. I didn't have to wait. And Michael Ealy, who's like the most beautiful man to beautiful, he looks like he's made out of a Rolo bar. I don't know how to describe. I, it. If I had to design a robot, I'm pretty sure it would look like that. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I, he's just, he looks like this caramel. I don't, I, oh, and the, oh, in the eyes. And oh, the eyes. Oh, God, did you see the episode where there was two of them? How did that not get renewed? <laughs> well, that's, I think, I think Carl Urban has the same luck Frank Darabont has because, you know, he did Dread, which was amazing. And, was good. and it tanked at the theater. Um, and now Almost Human comes along, and it's not going to come back. But the thing is, it didn't tank. The thing that makes me mad about Almost Human it's is Fox. it didn't tank because it was, yeah. What do you think? This is the same company that had Firefly. Well, and they, I don't, they didn't, it's the same kind of thing. They didn't know what to do with it. No. 
the other show that's probably going to go away is The Mindy Project, which I know Rachel oh, actually... actually I don't want it, and it can still be saved. And here's a dumb thing. It is the smartest show on t- on TV of its kind. Like, if New Girl continues and this show is canceled, then we don't deserve television. <laughs> because well, she's smart, she's funny, the ensemble cl- cast is great. I mean, it is the second best show to Parks and Rec for, like, comedies. I don't even... other. I mean, community is a whole different thing. Well, the one good sign of, of the the uh, massive cancellation apocalypse that's going on right now, which we knew was coming. Dad's is gone, which no one apparently liked. of value was lost. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what night of the week that was on. That's how I think somebody, somebody that I always disagree with actually called it like two broke girls without cat Dennings to make up for its lack of charm. (laughs) And I thought that was like such an apt description of it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, uh, one tr- one thing that's actually surprising that Rachel brought up that we, we need to talk about is the fact of what just came to DirecTV, Rachel? The Knights of Badassdom, which is something we've been waiting for, and it got stuck in pre-production hell. And then at some point, I as I understand it, we were hearing rumors that they were completely reworking it. Which we weren't excited about because that kind of reeked of Fanboys, which was a film that changed into a completely different film by the time it got to us. And then it didn't do well. And so now Knights of Badassdom is released. And I haven't seen it. It's on DirecTV for about four bucks. And um, some of my friends have seen it and they enjoyed it. They didn't know they they didn't know anything about it. Like they'd never seen a trailer or anything. They just happened across it on um direct tv and they were like hey if you want to see this it's a cute movie and i'm like what it's not supposed to be a cute movie joe lynch made this as a as a bloody fantasy horror hybrid comedy well and what this particular person they might have meant that but the thing was i was i was like we've been waiting for a release date on this for forever and now it's on television do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars Right. Well, the problem with Knights of Badassdom was I knew about this movie two years ago and when they had this big to-do at Comic-Con about it. Joe Lynch was there. The cast was there. Summer Glau was there. um, Peter Dinklage was there. And they were all excited about it. He'd already cut the film. It was ready to go. They showed the trailer. People shit themselves at at the Comic-Con about it. It was a big deal. And then suddenly it was gone. And it was because the studio, as far as I know, this is what happened. The studio was like, mm, no, we're going to cut this again. We're going to make our own cut of it. And so now with it being released suddenly, like, boom, it's on direct TV. It's on video on demand. Um, which cut are we getting? Are we getting Joe Lynch's cut? Which if you've seen like Holliston and you know how his twisted comedy is, and how funny he is and, and that he's a big geek boy so he knows the stuff that we like or is this the cut that the studio decided was okay to release and meets you know the mass appeal level hmm. and uh, it was funny because the girl that plays the succubus in it actually spoiled like a major plot point at the Q&A in front of everybody and Peter Dinklage did his patented the hell look at her when she did it <laughs> it's like Stewie head turn <laughs> um, but yeah so this is kind of a trend though now with movies that I it's sort of like testing the waters um, because they did this with another movie um, kind of circling back to Terminator verse with Anton Yelchin starring in Odd Thomas which is the movie based on the um, Dean Koontz series. And they put that, I, I, honest to God, this is how I found out about this being on DirecTV. I was just flipping around and it came up on my guide and I'm like, what? Because I, I was waiting for this movie. <clears throat> Not only that, but it, to, 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 to re- kind of give our listeners a little bit of backstory too, we're we talk to studios like we're yeah. in active pursuit of this movie because we've been excited about it because it's uh Peter Dinklage and Ryan Quantin yeah. and yeah and suddenly boom it's there <laughs> and 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 I'm like Odd Thomas shows up 
with no preamble on DirecTV. I'm like, the hell? So that was that was two months ago, mind you, that that was on. Like, over, it was like Christmas, uh, around Christmas. And suddenly, I'm seeing ads for it on IMDb for the trailer. Like, they're releasing it wide now or, or, or limited release in theaters. So it's like they're doing this thing now where they'll release these movies on DirecTV or on Video On Demand. And it's the same they did with Europa Report. Where they're pre-testing that. They're testing it, but they're still making money just testing it by making you watch it at sure. home. Sure. And, yeah, and people kind of do, you know, they look at it like, I can spend as much for one ticket to see this with as many people as I want in my own home without having to drive to a movie, you know, to a theater and blah, blah, blah. So this is where it comes into movie theaters are really pissed about this because where, where is, uh, the, the, um, the reasoning for people to go out when they can just stay home and watch these on video on demand. Right. Like I, the only reason a lot of times for me to go to the movie theater is just because I'm impatient because I have a great at home theater and like between Amazon prime and, crackle and all that i don't wait for much you know right and and usually it's a it's a a pain in the butt because you have to plan around you have to part you know the, there's gas involved and things aren't cheap anymore well we just had that massive snowstorm you and i were supposed to go see i frankenstein and instead i mean we could have skyped and watched a movie together easy peasy yeah you know but now we don't get i frankenstein because it's gone yeah which sucks but, yeah, so this is what's going on now with Knights of Bad Astem and, and Odd Thomas, which is now going into theaters. But now you can you can finally see Knights of Bad Astem. Is it the Joe Lynch version? I don't know. We I haven't really heard anything from him about this anywhere, if it's his cut or not. Uh, but at least you get to see Peter Dinklage being a mushroom-eating, stoned-out-of-his-mind little knight of the realm RPGing with a bunch of... <laughs> um, it's called LARPing. LARPing. Sorry, it's LARPing. <laughs> it's LARPing. I'm sorry. I said RPG. No, it's okay. You've kindly cut out the part where I called almost human being human twice. So <laughs> I guess I can probably. Yeah, you, you should be ashamed. <laughs> um, Worst co host ever. ever. But, uh,. On to our main discussion topic for tonight. <laughs> With ten minutes left. With ten minutes left, which is plenty of time for this because Sorry. it's Valentine's Day and really no one likes this holiday at all. So when I was a teenager, the way I got through Valentine's Day was I would watch um, a sad movie by myself or like not just a sad movie, but like I'd watch Casablanca specifically every Valentine's Day for like from the age of 12 on. And into the first year of my my now relation, the relationship I'm in now with my husband, but back when we were dating, I don't know why that was so difficult to explain. <laughs> um, and then I would have a bunch of girls over, and we would have a slumber party, and we'd have a big awesome party with caramel corn and cookies, and everybody brought different chocolate. And we made gorp, and I did that almost every year from like the age of I want to say ten, nine or ten on. And so we would watch these awesome chick flicks, um, which are classics of the 80s and 90s. Things like um, uh, Nora Ephron movies, which to me are the backbone of setting up the best kind of chick flick with um, Sleepless in Seattle. And you've got Mail, who gave us that classic pairing of Tom Hanks and um, Meg Ryan which um, other directors took advantage of. Um, the one that comes most easily to mind is uh, Joe versus the Volcano. And um, Sleepless in Seattle, um, just still, it's dated as hell. And it's still one of the best movies you can watch um, as a chick flick. And then you had the Sandra Bullock movies like um, While You Were Sleeping. And even some of the more serious, less comedic romantic comedies like A Walk in the Clouds. And, you know, there were all these little romps where you would see people, um, another what I consider the zenith of 
Chick Flickery, another Nora Ephron written, Rob Reiner directed, is When Harry Met Sally, which if you don't like that movie, I don't know what to do with you. But you had all these movies that, yeah, a lot of, they were predictable in a lot of cases. They had the same structure, but Hollywood really bothered to get these writers and directors that cared about the story and the material on its own. And so it didn't matter that they were all the same. It didn't matter that You've Got Mail was a remake of Shop Around the Corner, which was also a great movie. It didn't matter because they invested in it and the actors in it invested in it. And then some where towards the late 90s, early 2000s, people started to not take them seriously. They started to label them not romantic comedies, but chick flicks, and it was no longer cool to like them. You almost felt like you were considered anti-feminist to like them. My guy friends who liked them um, were given a harder time, and they got watered down. People stopped caring. We started to see ones like um, the movie One Fine Day, which should have been great. It's George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, the ones that I'm... And, and- it was just it was just phoned in and so we've slowly lost this to the point now if you go to a romantic comedy it's either a sex romp which is not the same thing or it's done in such a way as to try and have broad appeal which loses its charm well the thing that i was going to say was you bring up sex romp which i find this is timely you there was a one point in 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 2000 and i think 2011 both of these movies came out within this like span of of months of one another uh with friends with benefits and then uh no strings attached which were basically the same movie with two sets of different actors it about we are friends but you know what we're going to have sex together but it's okay cuz we're not going to it's only sex and it was the same, like, the trailers were almost identical. It was ridiculous. There's no story in these anymore. They're all cookie-cutter movies. But my, I, I would argue that it doesn't matter about the cookie-cutter. It matters about how much people care about the cookie-cutter. Because if you look at the classic chick flicks, even My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which I think is one of the last really great ones, um, they don't have terribly different stories. There's like three basic plot lines, right? The thing is that people really cared about them and they tried to make it rich. Like it was fun to watch because you love the way the people dressed and you loved their apartment and you loved the way that they talked. The dialogue was really snappy and funny and invested. And now you watch these ones, one that comes to mind just because it should have been so much better than it was is, um, the one where Sandra Bullock is, I don't even know the name of it. Two weeks notice. The one where Sandra Bullock is Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. She gets him to be her, her. He's like her assistant and she, he has to pretend to be your fiance. That should have been hilarious. That should have been fun to watch. That should have been sexy. And instead it was awkward. It felt like everyone was there just to get the paycheck. It was, it was phoned in on every single level. And so this overall loss of quality is something that is, I mean, the chick flick should be an easy sale. What, uh, the other thing that happens is that we see something where it's billed as a romantic comedy and you go to watch it and it's sad. It's not uplifting. You don't leave having that gooey, gooey love feeling. The one that I think of kind of as the epitome of this was the breakup which is Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn that I got because on the back of the DVD, it said like a romantic comedy, blah, blah, blah. And if you've seen the movie, it's horrible. It's this tragic story of this couple breaking up and not in a like, okay, they break up and they get back together. It's like one of those life devastating breakups. It was a traumatic movie to watch. That's like War War of the Roses. War of the Roses. I had no idea going into that how mean that movie was going to be. And I'm like, I don't care how nice the writing is. I'm here watching a movie with my boyfriend. I want to watch something kind of sweet and kind of funny. And I don't care if he rolls his eyes a little bit. I, you know, it, it doesn't matter because it's sweet. And at the end of it, 
you know, I'm happy. He's happy that I'm happy. He probably is enjoying it, whether or not you are with a guy who will admit it. My guy loves good chick flicks, so that's not a problem. Except for Sandra Bullock. He has problems with her. But <laughs> but I just think that I would love to see um, some good uh, chick flicks. One that I really enjoy was... Um, there's kind of a modern pairing that gets looked over, and I, I know that you have some things that you want to talk about looked over um, Valentine's Day scenes. But what I would like to put out there for people looking for a chick flick that maybe they haven't seen, I think the modern day kind of Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan pairing is um, Nia Vardalos and John Corbett. And if you liked My Big Fat Greek Wedding and you liked them in that, they also, they've made at least two other movies together. Um, the last one that I remember seeing was I Hate Valentine's Day, and it was up, as of the other day at least, on, um, what's it called? Netflix. And it's really cute, and it's a little independent, um, comedy. And then they did another one where he's, it's called Elvis Has Left the Building, and he's an Elvis impersonator. Oh, God. (laughs) And actually, I don't even think that's her, come to think of it. I think that's like Kim Basinger. How did you get those two confused? I don't know. I but it had that kind of cuteness. <laughs> but I think that uh, she's done at least one other one with him. But those kind of movies are real. That's another really good one, and it's up a lot on um, Netflix. So. You know, if you if we have forgotten one, if you're saying, oh, there's a classic chick flick and it's been made in the last 10 years and you should have remembered this, post it on fangirlmag.com, um, um, post it on our Facebook. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'll 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 talk about you on the radio. Yeah. And uh, before we go, uh, I've got a couple of oddball Valentine's Day viewing choices for you. Uh, the first one, which. Rachel was probably going to laugh as I say it is my bloody Valentine 3D. Uh, it has Jensen Ackles in it. I'm it not has happy. it has Jensen Ackles in it, which is what I knew would make her happy. But uh, seriously, if you're just in the mood for some fun, awesome horror flick goofiness, this is the one. I could not believe how much I enjoyed this in the theater and the 3D. If you can watch it in 3D, do it. I can't believe how well done the 3D was in it, and it. It just rocked. It's so fun. And, um, yeah, for Valentine's Day, uh, Valentine's Day movie, this is a good one to go for. Uh, the other one, which a lot of people forget has a Valentine's Day tie, is the original Tales from the Crypt movie. And it's funnily enough, my favorite part of this is the one that has the Valentine's tie in, which is a movie, is the uh, story called Poetic Justice. And it stars Peter Cushing. And in this, uh, two very snotty, rich uh, neighbors are tired of their uh, neighbor, uh, Arthur Grimsdyke, who is Peter Cushing, who has this little home. And he um, refurbishes tr- the thrown away toys for children. And he has these dogs. And his, his wife has passed away. Well, they, they campaign against him and destroy his name, get him fired from his job two years before he's supposed to retire, all this stuff. Basically destroy his life to the point he kills himself. And he comes back a year later on the same day that he killed himself, Valentine's Day. Because the thing that set him off to hang himself was the Valentines that the evil son, James, sent him that told him he was hated in the town very sad but he gets his comeuppance and at the end uh he uh his dad his james's father finds him with his heart ripped out and a a valentine from arthur grimsdyke next to him so it is awesome (laughs) and you should watch it and uh last but not least nothing specific valentine's day but if you want a fun romantic comedy that is geek friendly go find free enterprise and watch it yes i love this movie i As do i i love eric mccormick he is pretty and shatner's great in this and the whole caesar section of it is amazing and uh yeah you need to watch this because this is basically my life with my husband this is 
That's very true. It is true. It even has a midnight showing of Wrath of Khan that they go to in this. But if you're a geek and you want a good romantic comedy that you and your significant other can enjoy together, this is a great one. Check it out. Free Enterprise. Uh, you can actually, I believe, get it on... Um, it may be on uh, Amazon. You can download it. I think it's on iTunes, too. And if not, go find it and buy it. It's just worth buying. There's a it two- really is. It I really like is. It. It's a great movie. So I think that's it. I hope Valentine's Day finds you with someone or happy with yourself. You can be our Valentine. We'll be your Valentines. We'll do that. We, we're here for you. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, enjoy it. Go get some candy and, and watch a good movie. Hell, that's what I'm going to end up doing. So, you know, do that. And, uh, Rachel, I love you. I love you, too. I love you, Rachel, more. I love you, too, Boss Hog. <laughs> I love... Who is that? Boss Hog. Boss Hog. <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, you don't belong on this show. Um, <clears throat> so, thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back again next week. And uh, till then, this is Fangirl Radio signing off. Good night.